Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Over the weekend, incumbent President Donald Trump went on another Twitter rant about how the election was rigged and how he wouldn't concede. But something he did say was a little different this time around. He admitted that Joe Biden had won, albeit falsely, while still telling everyone that he's been cheated, something his former presidential opponent Hillary Clinton predicted back in 2016. Every time Donald thinks things are not going in his direction, he claims whatever it is is rigged against him. The FBI conducted a year-long investigation into my emails. They concluded there was no case. He said the FBI was rigged. He lost the Iowa caucus. He lost the Wisconsin primary. He said the Republican primary was rigged against him. Then Trump University gets sued for fraud and racketeering. He claims the court system and the federal judge is rigged against him. There was even a time when he didn't get an Emmy for his TV program three years in a row, and he started tweeting that the Emmys were rigged against Should have gotten it. This, this is a mindset. This is, this is how Donald thinks. And it's funny, but it's also really troubling. Okay. You know, that is not the way our democracy works. We've been around for 240 years. We've had free and fair elections. We've accepted the outcomes when we may not have liked them. And that is what must be expected of anyone standing on a debate stage during a general election. So with a little over two months until Joe Biden can officially take his place in the White House, what exactly can Donald Trump do? Will he try to derail Biden's transition? And what's the worst case scenario if Trump decides to make some big decisions before he leaves? Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. It has become tradition in the US that the outgoing president leaves handwritten letters for the man who's taking his place in a crucial aspect of a functioning democracy the peaceful transition of power from the previous administration to the next. Barack Obama gave Donald Trump three pieces of advice, but also said he didn't know if any advice from him would be particularly helpful. George W. Bush told Barack Obama in his letter that the whole country was pulling for him, even the outgoing president himself. Bill Clinton told George W. Bush that he was now president of all of them, proud, decent, good people. George Bush told Bill Clinton that he felt the same sense of wonder and respect walking into the Oval Office. Ronald Reagan wrote his on stationery to George Bush that said, don't let the turkeys get you down. So 
saying he too could use the same letterhead whenever he felt he needed to. But incumbent President Donald Trump is not ready to hand over the keys to the White House just yet. There's tremendous litigation going on, and this is a case where they're trying to steal an election. They're trying to rig an election, and we can't stand for that in our country. He has his team launching legal challenges across the country, questioning the validity of the voting processes and throwing around claims that the mail-in ballots are fraudulent, despite there being no evidence submitted that this is the case. On Friday, the Trump team lost six cases in Montgomery and Philadelphia counties in Pennsylvania. Michigan Judge Timothy Kennedy, in denying a case to block Mr Biden's win in Detroit, said that doing so would be an unprecedented exercise of judicial activism. Trump's lawyers were forced to drop the lawsuits in Arizona, which called for a ballot review as it wouldn't have affected Mr Biden's 11,000-vote lead. And in fact, at the time of this podcast airing, the Trump administration has not won a single one of these cases. Many of them failed due to a lack of evidence or any form of witness statement proving that the voting has been tampered with in any way. But these losses haven't deterred the president from continuing to claim he has been cheated, something Curtin University presidential historian Professor Joe Syracuse says is a very strategic move for Trump's future planning. In 2015, Donald Trump couldn't have got 15 votes for the presidency. Today, when he leaves office, and he will leave office, though he will not concede the presidency, the election, or anything like that, he leaves with 72 million voters. He leaves with 88 million Twitter followers. He leaves in control of the Republican Party, which he had no control over in 2015-16. And he's now a kingmaker. And so he's in an enormously powerful position. And what people don't understand what's happening now during this lame duck period is that he's not really a lame duck. What he's doing is he's in pre-production talks right now. He's got his own cable empire coming up. It's going to be called Trump Revolutionary Cable. It's going to have subscription fees. So you can imagine 20, 30 million people of his base paying $6.99 a year. So he's going to have that flowing in. He also has copyrighted tele rallies. And so, you know, he'll be kind of the new evangelist as we go along. But more than that, he's going to be in control of who gets elected under the Republican ticket because he can get his base out there to make sure people don't get past the primaries. And so he's a very powerful figure today. And I think we all grossly underestimated him in 2016. I was the wise guy who said on Q&A famously, that Trump was an appalling human being and that he was dumber than Ronald Reagan and meaner than Richard Nixon. Well, actually, he is meaner than Richard Nixon. Trump has turned out to be a consummate politician. I badly underestimated him and, and his ability to read the American public, to identify with those millions and millions of Americans who've been left out of the dream. The 80 to 85 percent of Americans who have been fed up with Congress and Washington for the past 20 years, they turn to him as a vehicle to go to Washington and to knock people around. Now, right now, this guy appears that he's a sore loser. and He doesn't want to leave office and he wants to settle old scores. Oh, some of that's true, I suppose. He doesn't like to lose. But keep in mind that in his career, he's turned every loss into a victory. Unlike here in Australia when there's an election and there are wheelie bins and shredders at the ready out the back of Parliament House for the immediate transfer of power, there's a 72 to 78 day transition phase from one administration to another, which traditionally ends with the inauguration. 
a phase that Joe says hails back to the founding fathers, and it used to end in March, not January as it does now. That's because the founding fathers had to get around by horseback and by buggy, and they had to be home for the bringing in the harvest. It was designed around geography and technology. And today, you know, you'd say, gee whiz, you know, if you win on November, the first Tuesday in November, you should be in the office by the next Monday. Well, that's not how it works. And Americans are, despite all their jumping up and down and changing things, or asking to change things, they're very tradition-bound about that constitution. It's a constitutional republic. And anyway, the founding fathers had this period of time as a period of transition for people to organize their farms, or in some cases, their plantations, or their businesses, or whatever it was. And so they gave them plenty of time to get from Virginia to Washington and to set up shops. So it's a historical accident that we have this long period of time. Now in Australia, you have this caretaker government where when an election is called, you can't do anything new. You can't spend a lot of money in one direction or whatever it is. But in America, after the election, the president is free to do what the hell he wants to do. Up until noon, January 20th, he is the chief executive and the commander in chief in the United States. He can do whatever he wants. And he's going to do some powerful things between now and then. Through this phase, the man in charge is now referred to as the lame duck president. But presidents in the past have made some major decisions in that period, making them far from lame. George W. Bush deployed troops to aid famine relief and to help stabilise the political situation in Somalia. He also launched airstrikes in Iran after they violated a no-fly zone. Barack Obama signed a $500 million grant for the United Nations Green Climate Fund. And in 2001, Bill Clinton's staff famously removed all the W's from all the keyboards as George W. Bush was coming in, a move that cost the government somewhere between $13,000 and $14,000. So what's the worst that Donald Trump could do? Trump is fully capable and will probably order the removal of American troops from Afghanistan and perhaps by Iraq. And I don't mean next spring. I mean now, home by Christmas, so he can fulfill his promise to the American people in 2016 that he will end these endless wars. And I think that would cause a great deal of damage. It would certainly hand Afghanistan over to the Taliban. It would certainly renew the Sunni-Shiite civil war in Iraq. And he can do a great deal of damage there. He might even give a green light to President Putin to act on his eastern borders. I don't think he would move a muscle if President Xi decided to come down even harder in Hong Kong or maybe even take over Taiwan. There's a little bit of a problem here, I think, and that is in 2000, when Al Gore and George Bush were fighting for those 534 votes in the Supreme Court. There wasn't much transition period for the Bush administration. And when they came in, they weren't really prepared. And then when 9-11 came along, they were really unprepared. I mean, there's this sort of, I call it continuity of government. Till noon on the 20th, the president has his finger on the nuclear weapons, on the black box. I'm worried about everybody who's got their finger on a button. But I think there'd be a failure to pass on intelligence in in an appropriate way. And there's all this story about his people are starting to destroy their files. And Adam Schiff, the head of the Intelligence Committee in the House, has told them that it's a crime to destroy materials, particularly materials that have been subpoenaed in the past and have not been delivered. The uh, objection there being presidential privilege or executive privilege. So these people have been warned. Of course, that doesn't mean anything. They're going to destroy the files anyway. Or he might even take intelligence. I saw a piece in the Washington Post the other day that the president may even engage in telling people state secrets when he leaves office. 
as I say, he can remove troops. He can make as much trouble as possible. He could get haven comfort to America's enemies by really doing nothing while they do something. Something outgoing presidents are notorious for are the pardons. Donald Trump has a long list of former campaign aides and staff, including lawyers who've either gone to jail or are facing charges that he may choose to pardon, including former White House strategist Steve Bannon, who's been charged with fraud. Trump's personal lawyer Rudy Giuliani may also be in line for a pardon, as may be the Trump children. But there's one person he may pardon which would be unprecedented. Commentators are wondering whether he might choose to pardon himself. I think there'll be a number of pardons. Look, no one was worse than this than Bill Clinton, who was pardoning people who were criminals because their wives were promising money for the Clinton Library, presidential library. These people get a little bit out of control with these pardons. You know, he might pardon his children and he might pardon his friends. And there are a few of them who are still facing jail terms or you might want to get them out. Yeah, and he might even pardon himself. i got to tell you, that would be a very interesting Supreme Court case. He might even get away with that. But keep in mind, he could pardon himself to the cows come home, but that pardon only lasts until he walks out the door. That pardon is only for potential crimes committed up to that point. I was surprised to learn years ago that when Boris Yeltsin chose Vladimir Putin as his successor, the first thing Putin did was pardon Boris Yeltsin for any crimes he may have committed while in office. I mean, this is pretty standard stuff now. This is sort of a standard insurance policy. Well, didn't Gerald Ford do that to Richard Nixon? He certainly did. And Gerald Ford promised he would not pardon Richard Nixon. But look, you can't send a president of the United States to jail with an orange jumpsuit. I mean, the guy's got more damn state secrets than anybody in the world. That's never going to happen. Another thing Trump can do as he prepares to fight off the loss of the presidency is place more people who are sympathetic to him in places of power. He can do other things. He could start backing the Defense Department and the Labor Department with his own people. It'd be pretty hard to get them out. They could do a lot of damage between now and then. He could do all these things. So he's got this short-term opportunity, and he will be using it. But he's also thinking about pre-production in terms of his next career. Well, can we talk about that potential short-term damage? Because you mentioned the Defence Department. We've already seen the Secretary of Defence fired and others leave. And then there's a lot of allegations being thrown around that there are potential arms deals happening in the background that are being facilitated by people who are big supporters of the president. What's worst-case scenario here, Joe? What actual global damage could happen in these next few weeks? Trump gets two grades from me. You know, when I was in college, we got two grades for essays, style and substance. I think his style stinks. I'd give him an F on style. But some of his substance is pretty good. I mean, Wall Street loves this guy. You know, Wall Street has never been interested in the soap opera in Washington because Trump has taken his break off of uh, regulatory things. He's lowered the taxes for corporations. I mean, he has uh, increased the modernization of American nuclear weapons, which is about a trillion dollars. So Boeing and uh, Northrop and Raytheon, all those places, they're just buzzing along. They make up a large part of the Dow Jones. So the Dow Jones are at these high end. And so, you know, the business community likes this guy. But the thing is, is that in terms of substance, a lot of the adjustments he has made have been fairly positive. And let me tell you something. I've been tracking North Korea now for 25 years. And American policy with North Korea was an absolute failure. Got to the point where the Obama administration didn't even think about it. And then Trump comes in, threatens this guy, meets him in Singapore. I know exactly what he said to him. 
He said to Chairman Kim, he said, you can have your damn nuclear weapons, but just don't point them at me. And for the last 18 months, two years, Kim has now pointed his weapons at the United States. I mean, you know, it, it, the peace is held on the peninsula. And Trump did that. Now, Trump also has all the world leaders today on speed dial. I mean, they will pick up the phone if he calls them. President Obama, God bless him, I voted for him twice, couldn't get anyone to pick up the phone. So um, I think America is in retreat, but I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, it's more like we've returned to great power competition, which I think is a little more healthy. And, you know, Americans just got tired of paying everybody's bills. And this is something that's been going on since the 1960s. I think there's an expectation of now that Biden, and of course, the president is sort of vindicated here. I mean, during the election, he got more Latino voters, he got more black voters, he got more gay voters, he got more women than people thought he was going to get. He was doing pretty well. In fact, what really bothers him, I suspect, Claire, is that Congress did pretty well. They didn't lose any seats in the House, and they're going to hold their own in the Senate. So at the end of the day, he doesn't get enough votes to win, though he got a record number of votes. So he's taking this personally. It's really sort of a referendum on his character. And that's how some people pitch it. And you're going to see a lot of commentary in the United States and Australia about how it's not fair and it's not ethical. And It's completely legal what he's doing. I mean, to me, it makes no sense. It's a holding action. It's a strategic retreat until he leaves town. But the whole time, he wants to control the story. But I think he can do a lot of damage between now and then, the kind that might even take months and years to reverberate, particularly if he pulls those troops out of Afghanistan, then after 20 years, we ain't got nothing to show for it because the Taliban will be back in the sea. Not all presidential transitions have been smooth sailing. Some have refused to attend their successor's inauguration. Some have been pretty petty. Nancy Reagan telling the Carters they should move out of the White House before the inauguration so they can do a better job of redecorating. Melania reportedly didn't want to move into her new home until the toilet the Obamas used was swapped out. But until that day in January, Trump is still President of the United States. And as long as he acts within the checks and balances put in place for every president, he can still do what he wants, which at this stage seems to be getting in as many rounds of golf as possible. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, with audio production by Ian Camilleri and guest booking by Mel Zauer. And if you want to have a good old laugh today, check out the latest episode of Quizish in the Mamma Mia podcast network. Amanda Keller and Miguel from The Living Room take each other on to see who knows more, the queen of the radio airwaves or the celebrity chef. What is a furpy? I, I know that one. It's a fart doing a burpee. A is fart it? doing a burpee. When you, you do a burpee. When you do a burpee and you fart, that's a burpee because I do it in the gym. No, it's that's not the correct answer, what but that mean? is brilliant. That's a burpee. Is that have? what you call I just put a lie. First. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's a rumour or a tall tale. So, yes, a lie. But They're telling I a like burpee. To get I think that we need to change like the meaning of that, though. Yeah. Like the linguistic a association a of the burpee. I think you deserve some I bonus points. I think you deserve... Have you ever done a burpee? Yes. It's so easy to fart, isn't it? Oh, we're in a small room. But I feel like I need to get this for our socials. Yeah. Here we so go. Amanda's explaining what a furpy is. So I'm in the gym. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Who's Miguel, drop and give me a furpy. A, a burpee. Give me a furpy. Give me a furpy. Ready? Yep. <laughs> and there it is. And that is a furpy. Oh, wow. Who's me, Mama? So You're going to be, like, so puffed now. That was with my mouth. Sure, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. 
Check out Quizish in your favourite podcast app today. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.